Nuclear. Now is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Well, today we're going to start with a little bit of story time and my favorite kind of story time because it's a story about me. I was out <laughs> taking a walk. Well, that's actually not true. I, I don't really like telling <laughs> stories about myself, but this, this one's kind of fun. Uh, I was out taking a walk and uh, somebody walked by me and in his pocket was this enormous clear bag of peanuts that still had their shells on. And, you know... You might see somebody walking around with some peanuts. Maybe they're taking a, eating a snack or whatever while they're exercising. But this guy, uh, it was huge. It was sticking, you know, h- halfway down his leg. And, and the peanuts still had their shells on. This is, this is a difficult thing to eat while you're out exercising. But anyway, I saw him and I laughed about it, as you just did, Kathy. And I thought, okay, I want, I want to tell somebody about this because it's funny. But I started thinking... How can I say this in, in, in a brief way? What word do I use here? Because I wanted to go home and say, well, I saw this guy and he had a bunch of shelled peanuts in his pocket. But that's not right because <laughs> shelled means the shells are off. But it kind of is right because shelled also means the shells are on. <laughs> it turns out there's a word for this. <laughs> I, I'm just, did you ever find out what he was doing with those peanuts? <laughs> no, some things, it's just better not to ask. Right. <laughs> He's like, thank you, sir. Yeah, there is a word for it. And that's what we're talking about today. Conveniently, they're called contronyms. And that's a word that has two opposite or contradictory meanings. There are actually a lot of words for it. There's also another word, autoantonym, which means the same thing. And there's my favorite word, which uh, refers to the idea of having one word with two different meanings or three different meanings or opposite meanings. And it's anantiosomy. Ooh, that's nice. I love that. Don't you? Anantiosomy. I, I know that makes me nervous. <laughs> you know, see, I don't think I could say that either. No. <laughs> well, what I'd love to, what I thought about though, is like with Fletcher's thing with the shell, I could tell Fletcher, I said, oh, you're being very an antiosimus. <laughs> see, I like antagonim better because of antagonist. I like antagonim because I think that's more mellifluous. Oh, these are all wonderful. So when you guys let me know that this word exists or they, this, this, this concept exists, the contronym, as you presented it to me. I went and looked it up. And the one that I thought was was really fun was uh, called a Janus word. Yes, I yeah. like that term too. Yeah, that, the, the two-faced Roman uh, deity, right? Exactly. Looking in opposite directions and these words right. looking opposite. Yeah. The thing that surprised me when we first, I mean, I knew there were co- that this concept existed. But the thing that shocked me actually, well, it didn't shock me, it just surprised me mildly, was that in the OED, the first published citation they list is from the 60s. I would have thought this would have been around longer than that. Actually, I'm going to contradict you there, Kath, or I'm going to contradict the OED. You're correct with English with contronyms being that way. But mm-hmm. the actual concept, speaking as a Greek-American or Greek-Canadian, goes back to the ancient Greeks. And with that, with that uh, idea of an antiosomy, uh, the idea of opposing, of the same thing being opposed. Heraclitus had the idea of two words or two concepts 
opposites joining into one, which therefore had like this sort of mystical sense of we're all one. However, that's getting a little bit off topic. But yeah, I was going to say, is that, is that where the words angle come in there? But the word apparently he noticed, or Greek, ancient Greeks apparently, and I'm sure other cultures did as well, noticed it a long time. I think what happened was it only began, began to be noticed in the context of English recently, as you're talking about. I might indeed say from the 60s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it makes sense of the concept, because it's sort of obvious that the concept's around. Now, I, I just realized, as I'm speaking, I'm not, this must exist in other languages. I just don't know them, right? It does. I looked up a couple of minutes ago as we were speaking, and there is a, a, a linguistic article fascinating on uh, contronyms, or they said anatiosomy, in... Um, English, Russian, and Uzbek. Ah. And they interviewed people in Uzbek, and they said there are a bunch of national contronyms in Uzbek, and they went on. I don't, I don't know Uzbek, and I will not enlighten you all with Uzbek no. uh, contronyms, but we could go on. But, Kathy, we're talking about this, and we've already really covered contronyms to some degree with certain words that have changed meaning as we speak or are changing meaning as we speak. And a lot of uh, grammar pedants, and to some degree, including us, we get a little bit upset about them. Yeah, obviously, the one that immediately comes to mind is literally, um, which also means figuratively, which is the opposite of literally, the real literal definition of literally. So literally has now become or is in the process of becoming a contronym since it's now being used to mean figuratively. <laughs> I'm already getting panicked. I'm getting confused too now. <laughs> um, peruse is another one we've talked about in the past. That is becoming a contronym. I mean, it, it, it used to mean, you know, just to examine it with great attention and detail, but it also means to look over it casually. So um, you've got those two. And then decimate is another one we've talked about often that historically meant, uh, we all have mentioned, to kill one of 10 people or soldiers as punishment. And now it just means a huge percentage of destruction. But particularly with the last two, one interesting thing comes up with contronyms all the time. Most contronyms we have no problem with because we can tell usually by context, almost always by context, peruse is a, diff is a trickier one, but mm -hmm. literally we can tell by context what you mean. When I say I'm literally on fire, I think we basically know by context, I mean, I'm figuratively on fire. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so usually, usually all of these or most of these we can tell we're not really that, tr they're interesting, but they're not amazingly troublesome in English. We can usually tell. Except when somebody says it was so funny I literally peed my pants. <laughs> I really have no idea which way they're going on that Unless one. we're standing near them, in which case I might move back. <laughs> What's that on my shoe? <laughs> the one that also gets me, I've got to throw in before we do the, the legit uh, contronyms, is inflammable. People always say that that's a contronym. It's not. I mean, you think it might be a contronym, but it's not. Because it can't mean both things, right? Right. It's used incorrectly right. in a contronymical <laughs> way. <laughs> and we're not to the point, at least now, where, where again, both things can be correct, like we are probably with, with literally. I mean, obviously, we're, we're still having an adjustment period on that word. But in terms of being a contronym, literally pretty much is one right yes. now. Whereas inflammable, people 
it's still pretty clear that people are using it incorrectly rather than having it develop into a contradiction, right. which maybe it will. Yeah, I think it will. I don't think so. I think it's too dangerous to enter into it as a contronym. I think that it's hard to really get context on that, too. Oh, yeah, I, I literally dangerous, actually. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be mean what it means. Yeah, Ross might literally be on fire. <laughs> yeah. case, so. And we're going, gosh, he just, like, overdoes things. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> The other one that interests me before we get to the legit ones is awful, which is technically a contronym because you mean it, it, it's supposed to mean or it used to mean full of awe or inspiring awe versus you know, yuck, that's horrible. But I don't does anyone use awful anymore to mean full of awe? No, but you guys heard the famous uh, statement by supposedly it's apocryphal by Charles II. Uh, we wrote we yeah. wrote about him in a book recently, um, not about words, but. He apparently, this is all obviously fake, but he went to St. Paul's Cathedral and said, oh, what an awful, pompous, and artificial edifice. <laughs> and those are all technically, it, it's, they're contronyms. He meant full of awe, like Kathy was talking about, full of pomp in the sense of majestic, and artificial in the sense of beautifully, des ingeniously designed. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, unfortunately, he probably never said it. Yeah, so what? I said we pretend he did. Yeah, he's know. dead. We can do whatever we want with him. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. We're safe. <laughs> um, I suppose we should get on to the real talk. Yeah. I, I just want to also just mention where contronyms are concerned. There are actually two types of contronyms. Um, there are doublets. Um, they have a common etymology. And then there are those that are separate, completely separate words that are spelled the same way. And so they come from very different roots, very different meanings all along. They just happen to be, at this point... They merged. Well, they didn't really merge. They just are spelled the same. Oh, but they have opposite meanings, right? Yeah. Oh, the first one we did was, it's actually, it's, it's two words. Uh, joint is a, it's a, it's a phrase. First degree. Now, first degree, it, this is sort of a quasi-contronym. First degree, in certain senses, can be very severe in the sense of a first-degree murder charge, that's pretty bad. But when you have a burn, it's the a first-degree burn is the least severe type of burn. A sunburn is a first-degree burn. A uh, murder charge is a, a serious, you know, whatever, is first murder in the first degree is something you don't want to ever hear yourself being charged with. I don't know why that sounded funny to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't want to... It's true. I don't want to get murder in the third degree either. <laughs> Okay, the next one is one that, that it can be confusing. You were saying, Fletcher, the problem with shelled. This is one that, depending on how you know it's presented, okay, I'm just going to say, I trimmed the tree. What did I do with the tree? Well, you, you, you cut branches off that needed to go away. Yeah. Or, or, no, maybe I wanted to put ornaments on my tree. Yeah, because uh -huh. it could be a Christmas tree, right. <laughs> so, so trim can be to add things to, or it can be to take things away. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's the one. This is where we get back to the problem of of context, the problem of of, of needing to be very clear. Because if you do have that one sentence, you you you, it's very unclear. Obviously, if then I say, and then I put tinsel, you know, uh, tinsel garland on the mantle, you're pretty much figuring that the trimming of the tree was ornamental, as opposed mm -hmm. to. Although you could trim your tree before you trim your tree. Mm -hmm. Actually, we do that all the time. We trim yeah. the tree and then we trim the tree, which is really interesting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. One we have, which we're fairly easy to go into, is sanction. Sanction can mean two different things. It can mean 
to permit authoritatively, as in uh, the U.S. government uh, sanctions the right to, to bear arms or something. Or it can mean to impose a penalty. The U.S. government is sanctioning certain officials of uh, the Russian government. So it can mean one of both things. And both things we can pretty much figure out um, from usage. I think mean, both those examples that I gave you, I think, are very clear in terms of meaning. And sanction comes initially from the uh, Latin, which has like obviously sanctus, uh, holy, and it originally had sort of a to render sacred or uh, to ordain in a, in a sacred manner. So the positive was initially the, um, the meaning. Do you know how it changed over time? This is another one where it's difficult because the first, again, in the OED, which is what we always like look at for like the first cited published uh, usage, is in 1956. And I can't imagine the penalty aspect of it. It just seems so recent to me. Yeah, I saw that. I don't, uh, that one, I don't believe, even though it's in the OED. And I, you know, they're not the, I mean, be all and end all, though we tend to think of them often like that. Because I think that to me, what happened with sanction was the, I mean, I don't know, this is all, you know, this, everything of this is speculative. Okay, okay I'm interrupting you. Go ahead, sure. I, I, I just looked again. If you look at sanction as a noun, yeah. Um, as opposed to a verb, we have in the 1600s a law decree. It was a, first an ecclesiastical decree. Right. Then it was a specific penalty enacted to enforce obedience. And that's 1600s. So. I was about to say pretty much that. And because mm -hmm. it has the ecclesiastical uh, overtone, sanctioning, therefore it comes from above, the Pope says this or that. And then from there it can easily move into a negative if it's a, if it's a, a decree. Yeah, so I think that sanction as a verb, I think, used to, to, to meaning to penalize, might have been in the 50s, but a sanction mm -hmm. was already, a noun, the noun sanction, meaning exactly what sanctioning is, you know, mm -hmm. is older. Okay, I feel better because that was bothering me. It seemed wrong. Well, I don't want to leave this behind, but let's go on to the next word, which is, Catherine, drum roll. Left. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay, so Fletcher, look at that's define left not and not as your left hand <laughs> right right well either i can say i have left the building or i can say there are four people left right exactly yes either it's gone or it's still there yeah it, it's you you're either remaining or you've departed I, we had as our example says like howard was the only one left since everyone else left on sunday <laughs> Now, this is one where, for the most part, it's pretty easy to figure out which left you're talking about based on the words around it. Mm -hmm. Most yeah. of these, most of these we found are fairly easy. I mean, there are occasional ones where you do get a little bit of difficulty, but most of the time you, we know it. We know the meaning, which goes on to the next one, which is sort of interesting, too. Cool. Cool and bad are both now vernacular words. That's uh, he's a bad man. He's bad. Mm -hmm. You know, both. But does anyone say he's bad anymore, Ross? Or is that, is that from like a 1970s uh, sitcom? <laughs> well, but I, I think it probably happens. But there are a ton of words like that, right? Sick. Yeah. That's another one. I think the point is clear. We have a lot of these that are that are obviously contronyms in usage, but they're very contextual and they're very easy to find. And they tend to be slang or, or, or yeah. colloquialisms. Like yeah. Wicked. Wicked, wicked good or wicked. Yeah. yeah. And Kathy, and then and then from there they often change though. Like Kathy was saying with awful, I think awful probably 
probably began as a sort of a slang term and then it became what we know it now to mean and doesn't mean the original meaning of full of all. I would like to really actually really really know how it changed because it just seems so odd. Why would all, well I guess because awful makes you scared. Yeah. Or something. I'm full of awe so it makes me worried or something. Well ter we were talking about that terrific. Um, it pops up on older lists of contronyms and I don't think any of us like use terrific other than that's terrific. That's fabulous. That's great. But technically, it's terrific means causing terror. Mm -hmm. And does anyone say, you know, like, that movie was terrific? Meaning, yeah, full of terror, no. Or causing terror. Here's one that I think is really interesting, because I, it is hard to figure out based on context. And the difference is between British English and American English. A a table, <gasps> uh, in, a in a legislative sense. Don't talk about that. I came, <laughs> I came to... I, I, Fletcher, you brought up a word... I. I came to Canada and uh, people are talking about the bill was tabled. So I, they, 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 I mean, people I like or some bill I really want to happen. Some great person, they go, they go, the bill was tabled. Isn't that great news? And I'm like, that's terrible. I want the news. <laughs> and it took me, a, I still instinctively, when I hear it, tabled in British and Canadian English, when you have a bill means you're putting, the bill is up for consideration. In American English, it means forget about it so right yeah C completely completely opposite and again unless you know unless you know which i guess country is talking about this you can't really figure it out from the at least basic context no i think that's a great example and that's one that contradicts all of my talk about context yeah i mean well i guess the context is like literal country you're in then context which isn't there are a few other that one fascinates me though because to be honest with you until now i didn't realize that so 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 the brits are basically saying it's on the table meaning like we're putting it yep. that's fat i didn't know that no it's a that's a very major that's a really important distinction i think that one is dangerous i just realized i'm sorry i was just looking at another list and this is one i had it's not on our list was unbending is a strange one. Okay, go on with that. Because think about it. Unbending means like you, it, it, it's inflexible. Something is unable to be bent, but it can also mean you're relaxed. She unbent a little and, yeah, and, right. and, and, and started chatting. I never thought of that one, actually. And we have unshelled right underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard unbending as, as the relaxed term. I, I guess I hear unwinding. Oh, really? Know, but, oh, yeah. I've heard unbend. I don't really think of unbending the other, the rigid way. He was unbending. I don't know that I've ever heard unbending to mean relaxing before. I wonder if that's a regional difference. It I have too. I'm looking it up uh, here, and I see uh, unbending as being meaning not bending, inflexible, aloof yeah. or unsocial, with all uh, all with uh, uh, unbending. In oh, but you say like you know she unbent a little. Like I, I unbent a little and relax and enjoyed the party. Hmm. Totally new to me. Because it comes from relax. I just found out it comes from relaxing a bow from tension. Yeah, you're right. That's so weird. But I don't really think of the other one as unbending. I mean, well, I do, but I, I well, actually, I totally do. I just realized <laughs> I, I do believe. I have, gosh. <laughs> but you are right, though. Unbend in the, as a verb is to free from Fletcher. Yeah. Actually, Fletcher should have known that as a... <laughs> yes. But actually, though, interestingly enough, it means, obviously, unbend means to make or allow to become straight. So you can see in a way how it probably evolved to mean, you know, bending, unbending. Both. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Here's another obvious one, fearful, 
which can be causing fear or to be full of fear. I don't think, does anyone use it to mean causing, uh, full of fear now? I think it's that's the case where we have with terrific. I think it's the same yeah. sort of thing where it's changed now. It's This one has changed from a contronym. Because we're, we're constantly seeing the movement of language with these. Some become contronyms. Some, some words like, you know, literally become contronyms. Others, like fearful, were contronyms and lose the contronymic uh, meaning. Use one of the meanings all yeah. the time, yeah. I really like that because you can see just the, the giant context around how, how words change and how we're sometimes angry about them. I, I guess we say this a lot, but we're sometimes angry about them here in the moment because they are in the process of changing. But we can look back at, as you said, awful or terrific mm -hmm. and see that probably people were just as angry about about those words at that specific time people are always angry about something mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah especially with english <laughs> but again and then uh, some of these are obvious like okay screen screen can mean you know we screened the film so you're showing the film or she screened her hand eyes with her hand mm -hmm. I, I, I was screened from the screening yes. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> the next one is really is extremely obvious but it's a definite very strong contronym I would say is dust dusting oh. a room and dusting chocolate cake with powdered sugar two different <laughs> <Right>. things <laughs> and uh, you know a dusted snow on a field and it was interesting because we looked at this one and both meanings are relatively old in the sense of um, freeing from dust or sprinkling dust. They both, um, we have like, I think the earliest we had of the OED were 1568 and 1591, two different meanings. And they seem to have stuck with those contronymic meanings throughout uh, history. And do they both come from the same root? Because what's really interesting to me are the words that, don't even come from the same place. This one does. This one does, but the next one doesn't. We're going to go there in a second. Yeah, this one comes from uh, uh, Dunst, uh, Old Norse, Dust, Old Norse, German, Dunst. It was from, like, which meant vapor. Yes. From the Old German, which was like, because it's like whatever comes up uh, in the air, it's like, it's like, it's like, like a vapor with dust, like you have dust motes trapped in the air. So. Yes. So this one was definitely, yeah, from the beginning, it seems, as you said, Ross, like both meanings were around from the, from the get-go. But coming up as a word that has two different words merging into one. This is, this is like, yeah, these are two homographs. Yeah, they're different origins that ended up being spelled the same, but very different meanings. And this is a common one that you hear all the time when people talk about contronyms. The word is cleave, C-L-E-A-V-E, -E, cleave. So what, okay, Fletcher, what, define cleave for us. Cleave as I would usually use it. I'm not sure I really use cleave very often at all, but cleave as I would usually use it means to split apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a cleave that, that is putting something together. Yeah, they, they, that's a traditional cleave, putting something together is like cleave unto your wife or cleave unto your uh, spouse. That's, mm -hmm. It has joining together, definitely. In, ma in old marriage ceremonies, I think they had that. I think it's biblical, too. Yeah, so-and-so cleaved unto so-and-so yeah. else. But, yeah. No, and that's a, that's a, that's a weird one. Like The, the clinging to one came actually um, from uh, an Old English word. And, it, oh, they have a great example. This is a fabulous sentence that does it. Mary cleaved the wood stump with one swift swing of the axe, which inspired her to cleave to her dream of being a lumberjack. I love that. <laughs> but the other cleave, the one that means to split, 
comes from a different English word that was like something to do with along a natural line or a grain. So you would split something along, like that's where you'd split the, the, the trunk or whatever. It is interesting, though, because that, the, the English word there was cleophan. But it's interesting because the past participle of these of these two different words is still different. Like you, uh, cleaved would be the, um, cleaved or cleft would be one. And then the split part would be cloven or cleft. No, cloven would be cleft. Cloven is the past part. Cloven and cleft, I think for us, are, both are cleaved. Like, yeah. Yeah, are the splitting cleave. The splitting cleave. <laughs> yeah, you can't right. exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Kath. For mm -hmm. I was babbling on about cloven, cleft, cleaving, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and after a certain point of close, you can't. <laughs> I, know. I was starting to lose that one. But you would never say uh, cloven for joined in that sense. That Curiously though, now do we use cloven in anything other than cloven hoof? I don't think I was thinking about that as we were speaking, and I was going to quickly look it up. I see nothing after cloven except for hoof. Or yeah. hooves, although there's cloven crystal someone has. Okay, and cleft, I can only think of cleft palate. Although they're, they're rock clefts, aren't there clefts in rock? Yes. I don't mountain climb, so I wouldn't know. But cloven, is, it's almost always cloven hoof. Yeah. It's sort of, a, it's becoming, we had talked about this in another podcast, it's sort of becoming a fossilized word. It only has really one meaning at this point. In these cases where they have different etymologies, is it usually just a, a coincidence that, that that we end up with the same word that means two different things or do we start saying the word in the same i mean they weren't originally the same exact word right but they are now um so do we start saying them in the same way because they have meanings that relate to each other or is it just a pure coincidence do you, do you understand what i'm asking i do i don't understand how to answer though because i don't know I don't think we know. I think, for example, with cleave, we have the two words. Uh, one of the um, old English, I'm not going to pronounce them very well, but one of the old, one of the first definitions, one of the words is cleophian, and then the other clove is uh, cleophan. They both sound relatively similar. My guess would be, and it's just a guess, that we get lazy. We, we've talked about this in other podcasts. We clip clip out uh, verbs or I mean uh, little sounds within the language within the word and I think that's probably what happens and another case of English too printing came into English um, in the 1400s and in the late 1400s and I think also it depended on which uh, dialect you're printing and someone might uh, have a different pronunciation and then they get it wrong and then it becomes fossilized as that is that uh, in that sound so I think it's mostly by chance. What do you think, Kathy, on that? I, I, I really can't add to that. I think it's exactly the same thing. I was just reading a little bit about it, and I just like the fact this is completely, it's tangential, but it used to be the past tense of cleave, which we now use as cleaved, and had clove at one point, was clave, C-L-A-V-E, mm -hmm. was very common. But we've, we've lost it. That was very common in the 1600s, but I didn't know. But yeah, I think it's just one of those things because the root words from each of them were slightly similar. And I do think that, as you said, with the trimming and so forth, I just think that you, you get used to spelling things a certain way and it just becomes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and which, which is a very like lax way of describing it. But I think you just do that. The one thing we forget, and it's very easy to do such, is that until fairly recently, English was really split. I mean, mm -hmm. there were lots of little old English dialects that all differed here and there. And then words get really mixed up in that sense. And I think it's 
for all we know, for example, cleave in one sense may have been pronounced very similar to cleave in the other sense, and then gradually they just merged by just naturally. And I think that's one thing we really have to be careful when we look at it. We think now of words as being sort of written stone, and they are to some degree written print with written pronunciations that are preferred or whatever, but in the old days they weren't. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder that uh, of just how extremely messy English is, mm-hmm. w- which sometimes I honestly I forget as we're getting into the weeds of, of these words and w- what they mean and what they used to mean. I, it's just uh, like you said, all these different dialects coming together. And we've talked about how we don't have an academy that tells us what to do. It's just such an extremely messy language. It is. It's interesting. Like there are also um, contronyms in, from different languages. The word of. Uh, guest that we have in in gast in german or guest in in um english comes from a latin word uh, hostis which means enemy and it mer so therefore you have like basically a contronym in terms of the word it came the original root is 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 inimical it's bad and then it became good it became good because it was stranger stranger is an enemy a stranger then comes welcome to my home okay that's a guest so we have a good meaning coming out of a bad meaning and that's what someone once said about all of these contronyms they're what's called pejoration and amelioration which we'll talk about one time words going up in meaning in terms we've of, talked about that in other ones we have yeah we have going up in meaning and going down in meaning and sometimes sort of clonking into each other and we have contronyms this isn't exactly the same thing but as you were talking about guests and enemies it made me think of a word like frenemy mm-hmm. that has both opposite meanings within the same word yes yeah I just want to say another one that reminds me of cleave, where it's like um, a pair of homographs again, words that have different origins that are spelled the same and mean the opposite is clip. Yes. There's, you can clip something together like pages with your paper clip, or you clip something apart. You're clipping a coupon. Right, and those come from different places. Correct, yes, but they're just both spelled clip now. And they're two, this is where Ross's thing about like different languages coming into uh, play with English is like, the binding together, the clipping together, comes from the old English clippen, which was to clasp with the arms or embrace. Mm-hmm. And then the other clip to cut or snip comes from the old Norse clippa, which they think might have come from like trying to emulate the sound of, of cutting, cutting something with huh. uh, shears or something. Wow. That one I like. What Going, changing now from two different words, there's other cases where we've talked about this before the meaning changes within. I mean, this it originally began as one meaning, and then from there it took on another meaning. And this is a really interesting one, fast. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, Fletcher, what does fast mean? I think you can answer this question. <laughs> uh, if well, not, I, we'll leave. <laughs> fast, something that is quick. Right. Uh, but also um, you could uh, be held fast. Uh, right. Something's, I don't know, stuck fast. Is that a phrase? Yes. But held in place, basically, yes. right? Yes. What do you think is the original meaning of fast <laughs> well since you're asking i guess it's the the one that's being held in place uh, <laughs> but, but i wouldn't i you know i that's only because you're asking i wouldn't have guessed that either way it is firmly fixed and then from but how did it change to from firmly fixed to mean running fast how do you think that happened this is really interesting there's a lot of speculation on this and i tend to believe the speculation john mcwerder actually talked about it in um i forget where uh, I saw it somewhere. But the idea basically would be um, hold fast means you're holding tight to something. And then from there, he suspects 
it became a meaning of holding fast to a course. You're you're concentrated on one thing, and then from there it came to mean basically doing it quickly, which I think is a really interesting sort of transformation. And, mm. I, and I think we saw the same sort mm -hmm. of thing with Sanctio and san and Sanction, where initially it meant something like from from above ordering a sort of godly ordering something and then from there if they're ordering something good they can also order something bad and then it became the opposite and that seems to be the case with fast um yeah i'm just looking i'm just was curious what the what the oed had for etymology and they're saying it was probably originally a specific instance it was used as an intensifier with verbs expressing forceful action or energetic Again, action yeah and then it started developing and then and then the, the, the aspect of quickness it, it just kept broadening to that. I, I really mm -hmm. like that one. I was just curious in the other meanings of fast, like a fast, you know, like someone who lives fast, like a fast woman or something. That was from the 1700s. <laughs> That's fast food, 1951 yeah. makes sense. Fast lane, 66. Fast track, horse racing, 34. But all these other fasts that, that are, are, are from the rapid aspect. Yeah, the hold fast, I think, is actually beginning to... Um fade i wouldn't really I, I i think i might say he's holding fast but do you guys really say that that much colors are fast no. they won't run i don't think no i think i think we're going to have a case here of movement away from i think this is going to move away from being a contronym i think the old fast is going to begin to fade the fixed yeah. unmoving i think so yeah you, you, it's it's holding fast i mean i guess steadfast but i mean but that, but then it's part of a word. Yeah, that's just a different and word. And then steadfast yeah. might become sort of a fossil word as well, in the sense of the meaning will be fossilized. Th that is sense of the yeah. fast in that. I think you're right. I think mm -hmm. you're right. Because, yeah, I don't... The only thing I can think of is with dyes. I could see where it would stick with... When you're talking about dyes, yeah. the colors are fast, because you do talk about that. that. But that's a very specific usage. I, I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Generally, I think that you're going to just have the, the fast moving. Can I just can I tell you something I just thought of? And it's not exactly a contronym uh, so much as, I don't know, a contronym phrase. But it's one that is really confusing all the time, and it's when somebody goes and tells you to turn the air conditioner up. Yes. <laughs> that we. That's funny you said that, because we had that debate a couple of weeks ago, because Sly said, would you do that seriously turn the air conditioner up? And I stopped for a second thinking. Yep, every time. No one ever knows what that means. And we had that one of those things where you can, like, if you don't even turn a dial, you have to do the temperature thing. And I was like, do I go up or down? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you see, now, automatically, I think with an air conditioner, I think I would do it contextually. Turn the air conditioner up means intensify the air, make it colder. Whereas turn the heating up would be make it make it hotter. Yeah, so for me, it's always tensifying. So you're turning, turn the heat up. I wouldn't, I'm not thinking in terms of, I think I'm thinking of it as, 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 as making it more forceful in a, in a way, which could mean colder or hotter, depending on whether it's a heater thing, where I, I, I not, it's not related to temperature, qua temperature. It's related to, like. It's not related to the number. It's related to the idea. Yeah. Right. The idea of making yeah, it Yeah, and I tend to be more numbers yeah. oriented, so I looked at it as the number. So I was pausing, <laughs> thinking, hmm. <laughs> Do I feel hot or cold, and does that mean she feels hotter? I didn't know. That's a good point. I like that one. Actually, speaking of which, maybe we should close on weather. Well, uh, can I first say off really fits right here? Oh, good, Cap. Yeah. Yeah, no, because you say, like, off can mean deactivate, turn it off, but it's also activate as in the alarm's going off. Right. 
which I never really thought of. I mean, that's yeah. totally contextual. I'm like, I don't think that you don't understand that one. Yeah, I think that would be a hard one to confuse. Mm-hmm. Isn't there one with shut the light or something that some people I, say? I, I do. I annoyed Sly with that. I say close the light. Close the light? Oh, yes. wow. But that's not a contronym. No, that's not a contronym. No. That's just like very sloppy English. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't say, excuse me, you don't say close the light, Kathy? No, I say turn it off. Mom and Dad always said close the light. I think I got it from Mom and Dad. I don't really? know. Really? They but... did? Close the light? No, I say turn it off. I turn off clo- the light. No, when I first got married, it was like a, a source of uh, discord in our marriage. It's lucky you were able to procreate. <laughs> well, I'm going to weather this attack on me. And we're gonna... <laughs> are, you, are you sure you haven't been, been weathered by our, our weathering <laughs> yeah. attacks? Yeah. Well, Fletcher just established that one. That's a really interesting. <laughs> well, it's not. We've just we we've already discussed what they both. Think. I'm sorry. I have to do the side note. I found out about it when I was looking up weather before. Is I didn't know this, Ross. You probably did. Is that Greeks had no generic word for weather for a long time? It's interesting because I was reading uh, Homer the other day, and I noticed that too, when you'd said that, I noticed they have there are words that are like aithria, uh, which would be uh, like uh, ether. I guess you would say in English, which would be. It has like a, a sense of clear. You have clear air or clear skies, stormy weather, but it'd be storm, not weather. It yeah. all uses. But the translations will say good weather or bad weather. But the earlier Greek would have words like, um, like I just said, like Kathy just said too. It'd be dark sky, all of that. I mean, it's it's. I don't think you really need it, actually, because when I was looking at it. No, that's what fascinated me is I thought when I thought that, because I thought how strange that they wouldn't have a word for weather. So then I thought, why do you need it? Really? I mean, like, I mean, we say the weather report. I mean, obviously, but I guess they didn't have weather reports in ancient Greece. I mean, maybe they did. But um, I don't know. Just for some reason that that struck in my mind. I just thought that was sort of interesting. But mm-hmm. I mean, weather, this is one, though, speaking as a contronym, um, it's clear you can figure out that the, it's, it's, a, it's the same background. I mean, it comes from weather, which makes sense because, you know, you're withstanding the bad weather. You weathered it or you're worn away by the weather. You know, it was weathered. So that's one where I think it's pretty clear that, that the split to become a contronym, you can tell that it's from the same root. Mm-hmm. And usually you're going to say that something weathered the storm uh, as opposed to is weathered by the storm. Right? Yeah. Not, I mean, not always. You could say something is weathered. Uh, there's no weathered by there. But but usually mm-hmm. I hear that as, as weathered by something. Yes. Something has happened to it. Yes. It's so funny. Now we're talking about it. I'm thinking, how often do I even hear weathered? You know? <laughs> I, I, I think, yeah, typically I'm, I, I think I hear it as weathered the storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see here. I think the worn away aspect. I think of more as eroded now, or weather beaten, weather beaten face. Yeah, yeah. weather beaten barn or whatever. A weathered face. Yeah, I maybe it's. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I hear it a lot, but living in the Midwest, uh, we have a lot of weather, and uh, I think I think probably I do hear that term a little more often. Yeah. The last one I think we want to do. Kathy is highlighting it quickly. I I just this one interests me. It's sort of a quasi contronym. It's not really a contronym, but it, it I just liked it because it's it, it's it again underscores the vagary of English and the need for context. Okay, Fletcher, I'm going to give you a sentence. Tell me what I mean. <laughs> I fought with Ross in France. Oh, 
<laughs> well, yeah, uh, I guess I don't know. I mean, n- knowing that you're siblings, you probably had like a spat with each other. Exactly. But I, su- I suppose you could have uh, gotten in a bar fight and and fought back to back. Kathy added one. She said, I picked up Ross and by throwing him at the enemy, used him as a weapon. So... <laughs> I like the mental image I get. <laughs> this episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.